Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... There are some things in life that carry a sense of danger. A play date with friends should not be one of those things. On February 10th, 1990, a young, bright, beautiful little boy was born who would go on a play date that turned deadly. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Craig Sorger was born on February 10, 1990, and lived in Ephrata, Washington with his mother, father, and younger brother. He was a sweet, affectionate little boy with a great sense of humor, a passion for race cars, video games, and science, and a talent for fixing the seemingly unfixable. He was also a boy with a mild form of autism and a special education student. On February 15, 2003, Lisa Sorger answered a knock at the door to find two boys, both 12 years old, standing on her porch and asking if 13-year-old Craig would like to come out and play. Lisa had never seen these boys before, though according to Craig's brother, they had played together a time or two before. But when he heard them ask their question, Craig ecstatically begged his mother to let him go out and play with Evan Savoie and Jake Eakin. She agreed, he gave her a hug and a kiss, and excitedly bounded out his front door. Not many people came by to ask Craig to play, and though his mother was a bit reluctant, she was happy Craig seemed to be forming new friendships. 
But as night fell, Lisa's apprehension turned into full-blown worry. Craig was terrified of the dark and never stayed out past dusk. And when she found out that Evan and Jake had both returned home hours before, she called the police and mounted a search for her son. Heading towards the park where she knew the boys had played, joined by Evan Savoie, his parents, and the Afrata police, Lisa started searching frantically for her son. Before long, an officer flagged down his colleagues and delivered some devastating news. He had found the body of Craig Sorger lying in a pile of leaves near a trail. Seeing as they were the last ones to see Craig alive, Evan and Jake were brought into the station and questioned. According to both boys, they had been climbing trees and playing tag and last saw Craig as he was walking back to his home at around 4.30 p.m. While Evan was answering the officer's questions, his mother, Holly Parent, noticed her son had changed his shoes. The next morning, she got up and, while using the restroom, absentmindedly picked up the laundry and noticed her son's shoes, the ones he changed out of, lying wet on the floor. She picked them up, walked over to her son, and asked what actually happened to Craig Sorger. That's when he said to her, I gotta talk to you in the bedroom. Behind closed doors, Evan told his stepfather, Andy, that Craig had fallen while climbing the tree. When he checked his pulse, Evan got Craig's blood all over him and, worried he would get into trouble, jumped into a nearby pond to wash it all off, burying his sweatshirt in the water. Eyes full of tears, Holly called the police and brought them the shoes. Jake then was brought back in for questioning and, like Evan, changed his story and admitted that Craig had fallen from the tree. It seemed like a valid story, and while the boys were slightly to blame for not calling 911, everyone could understand how their judgment would be clouded by their panic. Then, the autopsy came back. Craig, in his final moments, had experienced at least 16 blows to his head and neck and had been stabbed 34 times at various points on his body. Absolutely not consistent with a fall from a branch. Although they maintained their innocence, Evan and Jake were both arrested, charged with first-degree murder, and held on a $1 million bond. The Washington Supreme Court made the decision to try the boys as adults, and at the age of 12, they became the youngest murder defendants tried as adults in the state since 1931. The police were able to locate the missing sweatshirt, but DNA testing was inconclusive. Craig's blood was, however, found on Evan's t-shirt. While the boys waited in custody, both sets of families remained steadfast that their sons, though responsible for not calling 911, had not killed Craig Sorger, claiming Craig must have been stabbed by someone else after he had fallen from the tree. Then Jake changed his story yet again and said that he was actually getting sodas when Craig fell, claiming he wasn't even there when the death took place. His mother, whom believed her son was innocent, said that only a small amount of Craig's blood was found on Jake's jacket. And if he was there when he died or even took part in his murder, there would be a lot more than just a few drops left behind. As the family fought to earn their freedom, the public struggled with the idea of two preteens brutally killing one of their friends. Jake and Evan, longtime family friends, had only gotten into some minor trouble in school and were not obsessed with violent video games or movies like some of their peers. 
Evan was known as a class clown, popular and the leader of his group of friends. Jake was actually picked on for his size, couldn't read and was in special education classes just like Craig, which is how he and Craig met and it was Jake who introduced him to Evan. As people were grappling with their emotions surrounding the case, Jake Eakin, who had spent 26 months behind bars awaiting his trial, changed his story yet again, and this time pleaded guilty to second-degree murder along with it and promised to testify against Evan Savoie. According to his testimony, the three boys went to the park to play when Evan asked Craig to feel the ground to see if it was wet, touched the grass, and count to ten. While Craig was on his knees counting, Evan picked up a rock, quote, the size of a basketball, and dropped it onto his neck. He then began repeatedly beating and stabbing Craig, and at some point, Jake joined in. While he lay motionless on the ground, the boys walked home as if nothing had happened. In return for his testimony, Jake Eakin was sentenced to 14 years in prison. Trembling in the stand, Jake told the courts how Evan told him he, quote, wanted to go on a killing spree. He explained how he tried to stop his friend and how Craig cried out, why are you doing this to me between the blows? On April 29th, 2006, Evan Savoie was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to more than 26 years in prison, the maximum sentence that could be imposed. Holly Parent continues to insist that her son is innocent and said that neither he nor Craig received justice in the end. She believes that the real killer is still at large. Craig's family has gone on to forgive Jake Eakin and have pledged to regularly clean up the wooded area where Craig was murdered. In 2011, Evan Savoie's conviction was overturned on appeal based on the trial judge's closure of parts of the trial to the public and having appointed a lawyer for the victim's family who intervened with the trial. When the prosecution made their announcement that they intended on having a second trial, Evan seized the opportunity to plead guilty to second-degree murder. In 2014, he was resentenced to 20 years in prison. On June 12, 2015, Jake Eakin escaped from work release just months before he was set to be released. He was recaptured two days later and had his sentence extended. He has since been released and is now a pro-life activist in eastern Washington. Evan was released sometime in the summer of 2020. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to A Terrible Thing Happened on February 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to let me know how you liked it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.